You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I want to remind everyone to head over to 24-7 to see my prospect rankings of the Cleveland Indians, top 11 or up. Uh, on today's show, we're going to continue kind of looking through other teams, talking about their makeups, their situations, and how the Indians and that team could conceivably come together to uh, to make a trade to improve both teams. Today, we're going to look at the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals have been a team that I have been discussing as a trade possibility for the Indians for a while now, um, at least since uh, a year ago at this time, because of their outfield depth. The things have changed a lot in a year, I'll be honest. Um, almost across the board, everything has changed with the Cardinals' uh, lineup, and that's going to be some of the fun to talk about on today's show. Uh, the Cardinals were a bit of a long shot, but ended up winning their division, and they're going to look to continue on that next year. It's not a super old team. There are some older pieces, but they definitely have a young core that should keep them competitive for a while. So first off, let's talk about their two big free agents of note, really. Um, Adam Wainwright, the pitcher, who their GM came out today and said that uh, they'd like to bring back, and they're negotiating bringing back. Wainwright, um, not the Wainwright of old, you know, he's just old Wainwright. He's, you know, 37 years old at this point. Uh, Will turn, you know, I shouldn't say he's old because I'm uh, like a month older than him. He and I are very close in age, but uh, I know I'm feeling the creek, so I'm sure he is too. But in baseball terms, when you are a 37 or 38-year-old pitcher, soon to, uh, to you know, next season will be turning 39. That's kind of ancient, let's be honest. And it's this is not a guy who uh, who's had a clean medical history as well. I mean, he's had some significant injuries through the years. At his peak, um, just one of the best pitchers in baseball. Last year, he was kind of like a number four starter. I don't know what his market's going to be. Again, age... He's just kind of okay. And a lot of teams I mentioned on yesterday's show, they don't want to pay for okay. If you're going to go out and pay for someone, you want to pay for the top end of the market or then count on your young players to kind of fill those gaps so you have more money to go out and spend at the top end of the market. Wainwright was you know, worth 2.1 war, so he was the definition of league average. Uh, I think he will get a chance to come back with the Cardinals, but the Cardinals' pitching staff is... Pitching, I think, is the strength of this team. So let's just start with pitching, and then we'll move to pitching, and or move to pitching. We'll start with pitching, move to hitting, and then go from there. So Jake Flattery is the ace, an interesting player because, as I remember, when he was drafted, I was a little bit surprised. He was a guy whose value had kind of slid through the draft process that year, and he had been widely considered more of a hitter than a pitcher. Um, uh, the opposite of that would have been Alex Verdugo, who's more considered to be a pit, uh, pitcher than a hitter, and in both cases, you know, the opposite came true. Flattery had a very strong year. Postseason didn't work out for him, but still, a really good performance. He is one of those guys who is an ace type of talent, a legitimate ace type of talent. He's going to turn into one of the best pitchers in the National League at this point. I am fairly certain of that statement. I feel good making that statement. He is going to, he's going to be one of those guys who just competes to be at the top for a while. Next up, uh, let's talk about the kind of crazy situation that is Miles Miklos. So, Miklos was awesome a year ago. Um, 
he finished sixth in the Cy Young, which kind of amazes me. I, okay, so awesome is a relative term. There were indicators even last year he was not as good as he was. But he won 18 games, and he had a, uh, an ERA under three, and he had the lowest walk rate in the National League. He also gave up the most hits. Um, and he also was not missing any bats, which gives him a very thin margin. And that's why, you know, from 2018 to 2019, his FIP went up nearly a full run, and his WAR plummeted uh, to below two. Adam Wainwright was the better pitcher. And you're like, why is this so interesting? Well... He signed a contract extension um, with the Cardinals. Uh, I believe, you know, he had one contract at the start, and I believe after his great season, they gave him more at the end of it, basically, because he had, as a rookie, he finished sixth in the rookie of the year. Or he finished sixth in the Cy Young. And he was this guy, and they thought, maybe there's more here. And he is set to make $17 million a year. Um, and that can increase every year by 500 k with uh if he hits 200 innings and that's 17 million a year is not just next year or the year after it is through 2023 so this is a contract that is very quickly going to become one that's going to become onerous it is not going to benefit them um one can make the case that he you know that he shouldn't have even been one of their starters towards the end he's a basically him and adam wainwright were about equally productive um he turned into kind of Josh Tomlin, the good version. So, I, I, seventeen million a year—that is a lot to pay for. Plus, Josh Tomlin. Uh, I should probably mention Michael Waka, who's a free agent to be at this point. Uh, never really cashed in on. I mean, those early years, he looked like you know one of the steals of the draft. He was an all-star in his third season. But again, the indicator here that showed that he was probably pitching over his head in terms of like ERA relative to performance is the low strikeout rate. And that's just one of those things that always stands out. And the problem for him is over the years, his control numbers have gone backwards while his strikeout rate is still stayed exceedingly mediocre. It is a combination when put together, um, screams back end starter. If you already got Wayne White likely coming back, it sounds like, and you have um, Miklos, there's not really a reason to keep or try to re-sign Waka. So I think he is one of those guys that definitely you say goodbye to and move on with the rest of this staff. It's come out that Carlos Martinez would like a chance to return to being a starter. Uh, you know, he's not because of injury uh, concerns through his career. And, you know, he's last year was, the you know, working out of the penny was quite successful in that role. I don't know. I mean, I would give him the opportunity because it's always more valuable to have a starter than a reliever. He has an incredibly team-friendly contract, as I recall. Um, and yes, I'm going to stand by that because he makes 11.7 next year, 11.7 the year after that, and then it's 17 and 18 million with a 500k buyout. So if he's not worth it, it's a cheap buyout. It's not even a million dollar buyout. It's it's 500k. Working out of the pen, maybe not ideal. You definitely try and stretch him out and see if he could get back there. Um, especially because, I mean, we'll get into it in a bit, but, man, St. Louis's uh, bullpen is utterly phenomenal. They don't need Carlos Martinez in the back there holding that uh, holding that in place. Dakota Hudson was uh, one of their other big starters, and he is another guy that peripherals um, scream regression next year. I would not be betting on Dakota Hudson being a full-time starter for them. Um, 
it's like low strikeout rate, high walk rate. Uh, it's it's all the things I kind of look at and go, yeah, three three five ERA is completely unsustainable. He's one of the luckier pitchers in baseball. So if we're just putting this rotation together before I get in the fun of the amazing pen, it's Flattery, Miklos, uh, Wainwright, maybe Hudson, Martinez. Uh, someone I would like to advocate for is Daniel Ponce de Leon, who had just eight starts a year ago, but uh, did okay in that role. Uh, again, he's kind of that secondary value pitcher, but that is what they are. They have Flattery, who is a legitimate guy to become one of the best pitchers in the National League, and then they have five guys who are four or five types, which sets up them to not be particularly great trade partners with the Cleveland Indians because they don't necessarily need starters. They have depth there, and a lot of their guys are kind of on the same level as the Indians guys. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we go with uh, the starting pitching in the St. Louis Cardinals. BlueChew.com. You know it. There's no way you don't know it if you listen to this podcast. They have been our sponsor since day one. Um, let's run through it all. It's chewable, so it hits your bloodstream quicker. Same active ingredients as all the other famous uh, male enhancement medications. It's, you know, they trust their product enough, they're giving it away for free. You're just going to have to pay the five bucks in shipping because they can't take a loss on the shipping which is fair. You can try this for free. If you've ever been curious about male enhancement, here's your chance. You go to bluechew.com and use that promo code MLB that lets them know that we sent you, and that helps out the MLB side of the podcast. So you go there. You can try it out for yourself. You can see what male enhancement's about. If, you, if you're someone who could benefit from it, great. You're getting it for free with a $5 shipping for a free trial. If you're someone who's curious, here's your chance. It costs you 5 bucks to do a free trial. That's bluechew.com. Promo is MLB. They've been an awesome sponsor. Uh, Support them. They support us. So the Cardinals, I talked about their their pitchings, the starting staff. Um, You know, there's a lot of names that that I out there. And maybe the one guy who could be that legitimate front of the rotation pitcher that we haven't mentioned is Alex Reyes. Now, Alex Reyes has been hurt. Alex Reyes has been suspended for... Um, I believe marijuana was what it ended up being. And he has struggled with his command pretty much for his entire career. Alex Reyes is a cautionary tale in prospect evaluations because, man, we all just saw the blazing stuff. Um, I'm not going to make a pun about blazing. We'll move I'm, I'm beyond that. But we kind of looked past his control issues. Sometimes we look too much at what is working and not enough at is he going to be able to command his stuff? I mean, it was always a concern. We always wrote it up. But, uh, you know, especially when he's sitting there at 21 years old and had 14 starts in AAA, and he's got a strikeout rate of over 13, and the walk rate of 4.4 isn't bad, but what's kind of telling in there is the hit rate of 8.7. Uh, the fact that his ERA was was pretty high at that point. Oh, man, I just got to... So many of these jokes, I just got to roll over him. I'm not going to make him. I'm going to be better than that. And when he's had the chance in the majors, he is still missing bats, but he's just walking too many guys, and that's what we are seeing with Alex Reyes. Sometimes we got to remember that great stuff doesn't equal great performance and that Shane Bieber was never going to win a stuff contest, and now he's one of the best young pitchers in the American League. So Reyes is an interesting pitcher. Uh, it, I don't know if they would trade him, but I could see the Indians being all over him. He is the type of high-ceiling guy the Indians love to gamble on, at least in the draft. 
and then try to fix. So far, they actually have not had much success harnessing guys who have that plus-plus stuff. They've had more success with guys who have plus-plus control and plus-plus command and then helping their stuff rise up. But Reyes would have some value. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do with him. Um, At this point, he is... Like I said, he's got three seasons in the majors. That is about uh, 53 innings in that time. Uh, but, man, I mean, he was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, and he still hasn't been able to find a role as an everyday major league talent. Let's see. Baseball America once had him as a, the fourth number overall, the number four prospect in baseball. Baseball Prospectus had him at these as the number one overall prospect in baseball. So, yeah, that's that's kind of shows... The, what we need to improve upon as we work on this. You know, he pitched only three innings in the majors this year. Pitched uh, 28 innings. Uh, I'm sorry. Across the minors, pitched about 37 innings. Injuries, the drug problem, and then just control. I mean, it is the, the two things that will derail a fantastic pitching prospect are injuries and control. And he's got both. So we'll see with Reyes. I really liked when they added Dominic Leone two years ago because he had been such a steady pitcher in with Toronto and you look at the numbers that final year in Toronto it was a 10.4 strikeout a 2.9 walk rate walk rate's gone down he still misses bats but he has been kind of lost his spot with uh with the Cardinals in terms of like where you put him he's not even one of their top arms he's one of those guys who struggled a lot last year and I'll be curious to see um what they do with Leon, even as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, I wonder if he was released. Um, just because there's not enough value inherent, I feel like, in him with the depth they have. But just kind of a name to watch, a guy to know as I flip back over. So in terms of their pen, I talked about Carlos Guns. I better speed this up. Talked about Carlos Martinez. Giovanni Gallagos, Gallagos, was utterly phenomenal. He was the other. He was the player they got for Luke Voigt, and all of a sudden they're the winners of that deal. Strikeout rate over 11, walk rate under two, home run rate of 1.1, hit rate of 5.4. He was phenomenal in the setup role. Um, John Braeba, again another arm for them that was just strikeout rate over 10, walk rate of 3.3. Andrew Miller, old friend alert, strikeout rate of 11 and a half was a. All right is a lefty. He was actually more of a league average pitcher. Um, maybe a deal that they regret in a few years looking at. Tyler Webb was solid for them. Uh, didn't miss as many bats. Uh, John Gaunt, 64 games for them. The control wasn't ideal. But then you get into like their flamethrowers. I haven't even talked about Ryan uh, Helsley. Man, I cannot pronounce things today. End of the week issues. He has been one of their, you know, hard-throwing arms coming up through the system. And then Jordan Hicks, who stepped in that closer role, who's one of the hardest-throwing guys in all of baseball. You put that all together, and that is a phenomenal pen. And that's part of the reason I feel like they were able to close that gap and and take over um, the division is they had all of those arms. Even someone like Genesis Cabrera is an interesting prospect. So the, the pen, I think, might be the deepest in baseball. Let's just put it there, move on running out of time, as I always tend to do. Hitting-wise, Yadier Molina. Uh, starting to see Father Time affecting him at this point. Uh, Andrew Kinsner is the heir apparent. He is one of their top prospects. He'll get some. Uh, he'll continue to kind of get time in that role since they traded away Carson Kelly. Paul Goldschmidt, they gave him all that money. Slow start, but it came together. He is going to be at first for a while. 
Colton Wong was arguably their best hitter a year ago, um, especially in the second half. Had a strong season. Lock him in at second. Paul DeJong, utterly fantastic at shortstop. Strong defender. Hits for power. Maybe not a high average or on base guy. But uh, is this the point where I say, like, if everything works out, the high end of Yu Chen Chang is a, is a not as good defender version of Paul DeJong? Matt Carpenter didn't get as many at-bats as he has in the past. He started to show some age and wear and tear as well. Marcel Ozuna is going to hit free agency. He will not be back. Harrison Bader struggled. Dexter Fowler was about league average, which is not too bad for the position there. Ty O'Neill struggled. Jose Martinez, who is getting up there in age and stinks defensively. Uh, offensively, it was merely average. Tommy Edmond was the uh, kind of the standout player from the minors who played all over for them. Yaro Munez also took a step back, and Lane Thomas got a, got a small look. He's a, a top prospect, more of a fourth outfield type. Their top, top prospect, Dylan Carlson, had a fantastic year. He should be, I guess some would argue Nolan Gorman is the top, top prospect, but it doesn't change the fact that um, Dylan Carlson should get a look at some point next year. Um, if you pencil him in as one of the potential starters for the Cardinals, at some point, you're kind of left with that Bader, Fowler, Carlson outfield, Edmund filling in at some points, which leaves Ty O'Neill available. It leaves uh, Jose Martinez available. The thing with Jose Martinez at this point is he didn't have a great year, and he is 31 years of age, be 32 in July. You are getting him for three more seasons, which is an upside, but you're getting this kind of early 30 seasons, and he wasn't good. I don't know what trade value he actually has at this point. He's a good buy-low candidate, um, which is, you know, what the Indians should be in on. He is the son of Carlos Martinez, former Indian, which is always a nice story when you acquire such a player. But, yeah, Jose Martinez is, uh, his value is really down for them. Ty O'Neill, his value is really down after this year. But he was 141 at-bats. He was basically a a zero-war player. But 723 OPS isn't terrible. There are still some signs of life. Like, he definitely has more value because at this point he's not going to be a free agent until 2025. So you're getting five years of control of the right-hander O'Neal. So, running long. I know. Every show could say running long. But if you look at this team, we're pretty much projecting Kinsner, Molina, Goldschmidt, Wong, DeJong, Edmund slash Carpenter, uh, Fowler and Wright. I'm kind of hesitant to put Batter in center field just because that was such an issue for them this past year. Um, I don't know if there's anyone who really feels comfortable with the idea that that is their everyday center fielder. But basically you're looking at probably a Fowler-Batter platoon in there with then Fowler playing right when he's not in center. Edmund getting some time there, getting some time at third, kind of consider him platooning all over. Um, And left field, maybe starting out with Ty O'Neill and eventually giving way to Dylan Carlson. So they don't have the bats that I thought they had a year ago. They do have some pen depth. Um, Starting-wise, we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, I didn't even mention Austin Gomber, who I really liked a few years ago as another left-hand option. But again, their pen is just arguably has a chance to be the best in all of baseball prospect wise who's knocking at the gates uh, outside of Dylan Carlson Ramon Urias is more of a, a, a utility type of player and then they have just a lot of arms who got some looks this year guys like Genesis Cabrera Randy Azarina um, 
Edmund Sosa is another one of those utility guys. So we'll have to see what uh, what they do. Are they, at the end of the day, a fit for a trade with the Indians? I'm not so sure at this point. Like a year ago, basically when the Indians had a top shelf pitcher to trade, yeah, because this is a team that needs more than one ace and a bunch of fives, which is what they have. But the Indians don't really have much to offer outside of a bunch of five types themselves. Uh, and I, you know, Ty O'Neill would be an interesting player, but it feels like he's going to get another opportunity before Carlson gets called up, who doesn't seem like they're in a rush to, to promote him. Yes, they could try Lane Thomas, another prospect, in his place. Uh, but Ty O'Neill being a right-hander, he kind of rep, uh, replicates some of what Jordan Luplow is, uh, and he's not a great defender. It's all the power potential with him, so I, I don't see a great fit there. I was very high on Jose Martinez, but the Indians got a better version of him, basically, and Fran Mil Reyes, who's younger, hits for more power and had better production a year ago. So I'm not seeing the matchup. Uh, if the Indians wanted to chase a reliever, maybe it would make some sense, but I can't see why St. Louis would want to move on from this just stellar pen, especially if they transition Carlos Martinez back to being a starter. Uh, yeah, I don't see a great fit. After championing the great fit between these teams, you know, Yara Munez kind of took a step back. He was someone I liked. Jed uh, Gallorcos falling apart, took away some of the infield depth. Matt Carpenter is someone they're not going to trade, and no one wants his contract anyways because you know he he played this year at age 33, and that is starting to show. This is an old team. Uh, Goldschmidt over 30, Carpenter and Fowler in their mid-30s, Molina at 36. They do have some young players to help transition, but at this point, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Their minors aren't super deep. Uh, they have not had the best of luck. This is not the Cardinals team of a few years ago where it seemed like they were just waves upon waves upon waves of talent. I mean, almost universally on every single list amongst their top like seven or so prospects is Johan Torres, who uh, was who hasn't left rookie ball yet. And it was the secondary piece or primary piece, depending on who you ask. It certainly now seems like primary piece uh, for what the Indians traded to the Cardinals to get Oscar Mercado a year ago. So, I mean, this is one of their top prospects, and he's still been a rookie ball two straight years. And, yeah, he's a huge guy with power potential, but he hasn't done a whole lot to kind of show that he's going to be more than just a guy. He did get up to A ball this year, but had a 38% strikeout rate there. So, yeah, the Indians are Cardinals. I mean, they, they have a history of trades. I just don't see it. Carlos, Mar- Carlos Martinez, Jose Martinez just doesn't quite fit the bill anymore uh, and his trade value just isn't there uh, they don't have that depth they had uh, so Cardinals Indians I've said it kind of in a million different ways but let's just cut to the chase doesn't see a trade that makes a lot of sense between those two teams Indian strength is pitching depth the Cardinals have a lot of four fives already and they're not going to want to give up uh, anything of value for one of the Indians four fives I want to thank everyone for listening this week as always remember to rate and review tell me how the new microphone sounds and tell a friend the uh it's the off season so the numbers are are hurting a bit you can use all the help we can get remember our sponsor blue chew if you're so inclined go over there and show them you support the podcast so they'll continue to support us and as always go tribe hey everybody i'm back on because as i went to upload this podcast i noticed the news that broke so i just want to talk about this that Matt Blake was signed away as pitching coordinator by the Indians to go to the New York Yankees 
this is pretty horrible. Um, if you're an Indians fan, he's going to be the new co- pitching coach. Uh, he's going to be the Yankees pitching coach. Uh, he was one of the guys that you put out there who was highly responsible for the churn of pitchers coming through the Indian system, using advanced stats, using new approaches. If you, He's one of probably the five most important guys in terms of pitching in the Indian system. And the Indians wanted to keep him, and they promoted him to director of pitching development just two days ago. And the Yankees um, still hired him away. I'm sure he got a nice bonus, and it is an upward-moving thing for him. But this is a huge loss for the Cleveland Indians. This is not someone they wanted to lose. This is... uh, When you talk to pitchers in the system, this was a guy that always came up. So, this is awful. (laughs) Like, there's no other way to put it. If you're an Indians fan, this is going to be the biggest loss the Indians suffer this offseason. Um, short of something where they trade Lindor. This is a big loss for the organization. This is one of the guys who has set up, developed, and worked with all the pitchers in this pipeline. And we're running a little long, and I have to put this at the end because it is very important that we talk about the loss of Matt Blake and how much of an effect this is going to have. It's it's it, He was, like I said... Plain and simply, they wanted to keep him, promote him to director of pitching development. He was going to be in charge of all the pitching development. He kind of already was an instrumental piece in that. He may not have had the title, but he was doing that anyways. So you're losing the guy who was responsible for developing your arms. Uh, and this is, comes two years after you know two straight drafts of drafting really risky pitchers with extremely high ceilings because you trust your developmental stream. The Indians have had success with just continually turning out pitching coaches. Um, you know, we all thought Callaway was going to be a huge loss, and we proved and that proved to be wrong. But in this case, this is someone that the guys talked about, where he was in the trenches every day developing arms. And yeah, so I, I had to come in and make this kind of statement at the end because it's really important to point out that this is a big loss for the Indians. It may not get the headlines that other things are going to get, but the loss of Matt Blake today to the Yankees is absolutely huge. We'll go into it a little bit more on Monday's show, but I wanted to kind of come back in and talk about Matt Blake, talk about his importance, and talk about how this might slide through the lines, but this is something that absolutely should not slide through. This is going to be the Indians' biggest loss of this offseason. Thank you for listening, and go Tribe.